Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. Hello, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is Anne DeSantis, and my co-host, Bill Snyder, will not be joining us this time around. So we, we say hello to Bill, wish him well, and hope that he's uh, having a good day. But um, And thank him for being able to host this podcast as I am joined by an amazing guest. I have Harley Packer, and I'm going to read you his bio. He is a happy, healthy, grateful man who lives with his wife, Philomena in Coaldale, Alberta, Canada. They enjoy spending time with family, especially the four grandchildren. They also love the outdoors and spend a lot of time in the mountains, camping, hiking, biking, and snowshoeing. Harley grew up in Estevan, Saskatchewan, Canada. By the age of 15, Harley had dropped out of school, was abusing drugs and alcohol, and was regularly in trouble with the police. Then a series of events, including the death of his father, helped him realize there must be more to life. It was at this point he had a life-changing experience of God's love and forgiveness and began a whole new life. Since then, Harley has studied theology and psychology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville in Steubenville, Ohio, and world religions at the University of Saskatchewan. Over the past 25 years, he's been involved in various volunteer and paid ministries and has spoken at many parish and high schools in Canada and the USA. In 2015, he launched PrayForTheProdigal.com in response to Pope Francis' extraordinary jubilee year of mercy. His goal as a Catholic speaker is to help people overcome fear, anxiety, and hopelessness with faith, hope, and love. Wow, that is an amazing bio. Welcome, Harley. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sewing Hope podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's amazing to have you here. Um, I absolutely love your bio. I love your mission. And I want to invite people to check out that website that you mentioned, which is prayfortheprodigal.com. Make sure you jot that down or check it out as we're here on the podcast. So let's start out with, uh, you know, let's just start out with right now. How are things for you and your family right now after this year of COVID? You know, we're super grateful because... Um... Uh, through the whole pandemic, everybody stayed healthy. Uh, my wife and all my family, the two boys and their families, the grandchildren, everybody remained healthy. And uh, everybody, uh, you know, was still working. I was able to keep working, kind of juggle things and keep, keep busy. Uh, and same with the kids and my wife. So, yeah, just super grateful for that because... Uh, I mean, as you know, I did that, uh, on both of those fronts, so many people got devastated, right? So many people got sick, just about lost their lives. And at the same time, they lost their livelihoods, right? Because of all the uh, economic rock and roll that was going on and, and everything. So yeah, super grateful for that. We just actually, the province of Alberta um, was the first province to fully reopen and uh, get things back in gear and that happened on july 1st which is canada day for us That's so right. uh so that was a great uh, great little celebration so i'm 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 excited now to be kind of back on the upswing things are starting to pick up 
Uh, I'm looking forward to, um, I've got some new speaking stuff scheduled and I'm looking forward to kind of getting that going again, get back in the game now. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And happy Canada Day. I know that was July 1st and we celebrated Mm -hmm. July 4th. Of course, last year we didn't get to do the normal celebration because of the pandemic. So how great was it this year that we were able to kind of get all get back to normal. So thanks for sharing on that piece. too. Yeah. Now you have an amazing bio, honestly. I mean, uh, looking at all the things that you're involved with. I mean, of course, your family and your grandchildren and the camping, the hiking, also the work that you do with um, ministry. Uh, Let's start out with your early life, because I know that you know, it was quite a journey at that very beginning. And then with your conversion, please do tell us that story. Okay. Yeah. Um, gosh, well, as, as I mentioned in the bio, uh, you know, in my earlier years, things actually went quite fine and, and, um, I was doing well in school, had lots of friends, uh, played golf in the summer, hockey in the winter, and, uh, even went to church once in a while with mom and dad. But yeah, teenage years, things just started to go sideways and, and seriously abusing drugs and alcohol. Uh, like I mentioned, in, in trouble with the law all the time, fighting with my family all the time. And actually in, in grade 11, uh, I just decided to drop out of school and take up full-time partying. And uh, yeah, was really quite fully committed to that, right? I mean, everything, right? This was back in the 80s and the battle cry was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And we did all of that to the, to the nines. And, um, of course that, that started to, uh, uh, backfire pretty quickly. Right. Uh, you know, it, it soon be, I soon began to realize that things were starting to fall apart. Um, but you know, and there's one little story that I always share, and it's always kind of hard to explain. I still don't quite fully understand it, but I'll, I'll do my best to explain it to you here. This was kind of at the heart of the partying, and and uh, a few of friends and I, we went out and, and actually did some acid, LSD, amongst other things. We were probably drinking and smoking pot at the same time. And uh, I, I went home in the evening and uh, went to bed. Uh, and as soon as I, as soon as I lie down, that there was some kind of restlessness and agitation that came over me, uh, and this feeling just grew, kind of intensified, gradually, sort of intensified, and and grew more and more frightening, actually. And it it intensified to the point where, like I was I was terrified. I had no idea what was going on. It felt like something evil, dark, was sort of pressing in, trying to suffocate me almost. And um, so in the midst of all this, all of a sudden, uh, a prayer came into my head, and it was the Our Father, right? Now, I hadn't been, uh, I I went to Catholic school when I was younger, hadn't been to, uh, I was in a public high school, so I hadn't been anywhere near anything Catholic for quite a while, hadn't been going to church, of course. But somehow this, this Our Father came into my mind in the midst of this experience. And uh, so I decided to pray it. And the most amazing thing, uh, by the time I was done praying that prayer, whatever that darkness, blackness was, whatever that was, it was just gone. Right? Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And, you know, teenager, right? Living in the moment. 
I kind of rolled over, went to sleep, woke up the next morning and thought about it for a minute. Thought, yeah, that was kind of strange, but didn't didn't really think too much about it at the time. Uh, you know, looking back now, I realized that that was just really that was God starting to knock on my door. Right. Um, I, I carried on after that same old reckless lifestyle. Uh, and then after that, um, actually my, my, all of my, um, partying and, and reckless lifestyle started to catch up with me. You see, I had all these fines. I was getting all these like reckless driving fines, uh, possession of marijuana fines and stuff like that. And, uh, see, I didn't believe in work at the time either. So I didn't have any money to pay for them. And eventually my parents kind of got wise to the situation and they, uh, they decided to stop bailing me out, uh, which was probably a good thing on their part. And, so I ended up in this situation where I had all these, this legal trouble and had no money to, to pay my way out of it. So what the court did is it sent me to, uh, to do community service hours instead of paying for the fine. Right. And they sent me to this place where, uh, uh, it was a, a community center for people with mental and physical disabilities. Right. And there was staff there that helped them with their daily tasks and, and whatnot. And so they sent me there for a couple of weeks just to help out, do whatever I could. Uh, and the staff there was just unbelievable, right? Uh, I was, it just really got my attention when I saw how kind and generous and just how natural and kind of really kind and loving they were with the, these, these people who were handicapped. Um, that was amazing to me because as an arrogant, ignorant teenager, we used to actually make fun, right, of the, the retards that we call them in the day. That's, a, that's awful, but that's just the way it was. So um, this really made me think, you know, I, and I was beginning to see at this point that my life was, I was beginning to, 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 to sort of get the sense that my choices were probably not the best choices. And so this, again, just really made me think. And once again, God just knocking on my door, right? Uh, and then it wasn't, it wasn't too long after that, that my father actually got sick and he grew progressively more ill uh, to the point where he had to quit work and he ended up in the hospital. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, nobody really told me too much of what was going on. So, uh, you know, one time my, uh, my mom and I were there visiting dad in the hospital and, uh, all of a sudden dad, uh, there was a moment, kind of a, a lull in the conversation. Dad, uh, he said, Hark, come over here and give me a hug. Uh, and so I'd never, he'd never hugged me before but we really didn't have any kind of connection at all. But uh, I went over there, I bent over and I, I wrapped my arms around him. And, and while I, my head was close to his, uh, he whispered in my ear and he said, he said, uh, Har, take care of mom for me. And, and, and you know what? I was so oblivious at the time, so like out of the loop, 
and uh, whatever. I, I didn't get it, right? I didn't, I didn't, I'm like, what? What do you mean? Uh, but I understand now, I see very clearly what he was saying uh, was that he was dying. And he needed me mm. to, to, to step up and be the man of the house and take care of mom. And what, um, excuse me, what, at what age were you at this point around? Were you still in your six, teenage years? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. 16-ish. Okay. And yeah, of course, he, yeah, he had cancer. And it was a short time after that he, he, he passed away. Mm, sorry. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's... You know, and, but the day he died was obviously it was it was very difficult, to, you know, because it just hit me right between the eyes that all of a sudden my father is gone. Right. The man who I call dad is now gone. I would never see him again. Uh, and that just that just crushed me because I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm never I will never, ever have the opportunity to get to know this man uh, in any way, shape or form. Um, so it was it was such an awful feeling, but at the same time, it was really the, uh, uh, an amazing one of the most amazing and life changing days of my life because you see, my mom, still a good Catholic, she uh, called the priest of our local parish to come in and and perform last rites, sacrament of the sick, and um, so into this situation walks uh, Father Ken. And just to give you a little background, of course, I, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody uh, uh, die of cancer, it's a, but it's an awful, awful scene. Because usually what happens is the, the pain is so severe that uh, the nurses, of course, usually give the patient very heavy morphine. Yes. Mm. So, uh, my dad was there very, very heavily sedated in extreme pain off the charts. And so basically he was there sort of lying in the bed, moaning, thrashing, right? It was just an awful, awful scene. Uh, and we had actually tried to sort of nudge him, talk in his ear and see, but, but there was just nothing. It was like he was already gone in some ways. So into this, into this scenario walks Father Ken, and uh, he speaks with us briefly. Uh, then he goes over and um, just walks over to the side of Dad's bed and reaches down and grabs his hand, and all of a sudden, everything's settled, right? He just grabbed Dad's hand, and all of a sudden, just Dad just stopped thrashing and, and moaning and settled right down. Uh, his eyes opened up and he actually had a bit, uh, was able to kind of talk to Father Ken for a minute or two, pray with him. Uh, and then it was just a short time after that, he, he, he passed away peacefully. And of course, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this, I'm over on the other side of the room, I'm watching and my jaw is on the floor because I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point that I have just witnessed a real live God miracle right in front of my face. Sounds um, like you did. I, I, yeah, Absolutely. And of course, and my mind is going a million miles an hour. I'm thinking, 
wow, is that, I mean, was that really just God? Did, did I just, was that a miracle? And is, is God really real? And what does this mean from, for my life? And of course, you know, the timing, uh, uh, I was really, really beginning to realize that my life was going off the rails and it was probably time for something new. So, you know, I was thinking, well, what if this is, what if God is really real? And, uh, you know, what does this mean for me? And I thought, you know, I got nothing to lose at this point. So I'm going to start going back to church. And uh, um, so I went to actually was started going to mass. And then one Saturday night in mass, uh, right at the end, a young lady got up and she started talking about this retreat weekend for teenagers. And, uh, you know, she made it very, very interesting. You know, she says, are you out there? You got questions about your faith? You know, are you wondering if God is real? And, and uh, you know, she's saying the listing off these points. And I'm like, yeah, check, check, check. That's me. That's me. Um, and I will, I will also confess at this point uh, that this young lady was also quite attractive. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she, she had my attention on a couple different levels. And, you know, but God works in mysterious ways, right? That's right. There you go. And um, you were still late teen at this point, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, 16-ish, yeah. Um, it all happened in a fairly short period of time. So I made a decision to go on to this retreat weekend. And long story short, that was the game changer. Oh, my goodness. I saw, I met all these other uh, young people who, Catholic, Christian, on fire, so alive. And I was, again, just struck by how kind and, and generous they were. And they could see, it was obvious that they could see that I was in a bad spot. And it was so obvious that they just wanted to help and to do anything they could to help me get to a better place. Um, and and I, you know, they were sharing their testimony, different stories throughout the weekend. And I, uh, all of a sudden, the Bible story became very clear, you know, uh, Jesus and his life and, and uh, the amazing life that he lived. And of course, the death on the cross, uh, pouring out his life for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and it just all became very clear. And so, yeah, that was the game changer. That was over 30 years ago. Uh, that I chose to become a follower of Christ. And, and uh, to this day, that is still the very best decision that I have ever made. What a story. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, it's more than a story. This is your life that was lived and experience that you had. And, uh, and, and I don't have any doubt that the soul of your father was also praying for you mm -hmm. uh, as you went through all that you went through during that time and how you found God in your life. So how amazing. And, and you, you really offer a lot of hope, especially to people who are in sort of a dark place, you know, after this past year, there are people who got involved in, you know, things that they shouldn't drugs, alcohol, addictive Absolutely. behaviors and things like that. So, uh, and they, or they have children who are involved in it and hearing that, that someone like you was able to be transformed by God and brought to a much better place. Mm -hmm. Not only are you living your faith, but you're also evangelizing now too. So that's really mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. And uh, so thank you so much for sharing. So kind of then what happened in the young adulthood there? Because obviously, you know, you got married, you had kids. <laughs> We'd love to hear kind of where the story picked up at that point. Well, uh, you know, things, gosh, things were, uh, yeah, it was, it was a real, uh, uh, 
you know, things turned around very fast. The uh, one of the most amazing things is being able to go to the Franciscan University of Steubenville. And that's another sort of miraculous story in and of itself. Uh, of course, we were in Estevan, Saskatchewan. Uh, my father had just passed away. Uh, he was worked for the post office, uh, the mailman, basically. So, um, you know, he, he didn't make a lot of money. He didn't leave us a lot of money. Uh, and my mom at the time was working as a laundry aide in, the, uh, in a nursing home. And uh, so after my conversion, I started going to a prayer group and I, I, I heard from the other people in the prayer group, I heard about this Franciscan University of Steubenville. And uh, I just knew that I was supposed to go, right? So uh, I went and talked to my mom about this, uh, saying, you know, mom, I want to go to this private Catholic university down in the States for four years. And she just about passed out uh, <laughs> because, you know, she knew there was there was just no way. We just didn't have the resources to to make this happen. Somehow, you know, I was just so uh, on fire about this whole thing. I actually managed to make an appointment with the Archbishop of oh, our wow. diocese in Saskatchewan. Uh, part of it was, uh, you know, I was so turned on and so committed. I, I was even seriously thinking about the priesthood. And so that uh, that was, I think, part of his interest in meeting with me. Uh, but anyway, I went and, and shared and told him the story much as, as I just shared with you and something touched his heart and essentially he wrote me a check. Did he? Yeah. For four years of university. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, what a gift. What a gift. What and a gift. That's oh amazing. man. Yeah. So the further, the further I get away from that, the, the, the more amazing it becomes, uh, you know, and, and, and some of the, um, some of the circumstances around it as well. Uh, you know, when I took, when I went and told other people after what was going on there, there again, their jaws were on the floor because uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Franciscan university, but it's, it's, it's a pretty dynamic, charismatic kind of cutting yes. edge university. I mean, they've gone through some ups and downs here in the last few years, but uh, you know, especially back then it was really, uh, I would say on sort of on the cutting edge of, the charismatic renewal and and whatnot uh this bishop was sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of you know very sort of traditional kind of conservative so i told I, I was telling people that uh, you know uh, he's gonna send me to steubenville and they were like what how is that even <laughs> how is that even possible right so something you know holy spirit miracle working again uh, and, you know, again, the generosity, the, 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 the mercy, the, the gift, right? Because he just said, he just said, go. And he said, no, no strings attached, nothing. And again, when I told people about that, that just blew their mind as well. Because you see, if a priest or sorry, if a bishop is, uh, if, if, if someone is inquiring about the, 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 the priesthood and a bishop is going to support them, 
99 times out of 100, the bishop is going to say, okay, well, here, I'll support you. You go here, and then you come back to our diocese and study in our seminary, right? But he was just so just so no strings attached about the whole thing that it was it's uh, you know such a gift and 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 that education uh i'm just eternally and so deeply grateful for that because it was it was it was not so much a career academic thing it was a life education right i mean I had the, the opportunity to study theology and and psychology so so in that, and you know, kind of in the <clears throat> in the, the liberal arts environment of that kind of university, I got a life education, right? I think I think I got I got all the 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 really basic fundamental life principle schooling that I don't think my parents were really able to give me, you know. And it's a foundation that has been solid under my feet until today, you know. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm familiar, very familiar with Steubenville. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a, a pretty big charismatic uh, group here in the area that I live in. And that's when mm-hmm. I got introduced to Steubenville and know some people who went there. And of course, Bill and I on this podcast, we've interviewed a lot of people who were either involved. Um, Bill, even in, Bill even interviewed on his podcast, uh, Young Catholics Respond, Scott Hahn, Dr. Scott Hahn. So sure. yeah. that was amazing, too. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. So mm-hmm. you had your experience there at <clears throat> uh, University of Steubenville. And um, and so how did you and your wife meet? And then tell us your story there too with the family and how that got started. Okay, sure. Uh, well, you know, I've been a, um, uh, you know, I went to Steubenville and uh, I was a bit of a uh, uh, itinerant, right? I, I went off to Arizona, did a few different things and uh it wasn't until quite a bit later that uh i met my wife so i you know i i went out and uh, got involved in a few different ministries and uh, a few different things and it wasn't until 95 uh, 1995 that i actually ended up in uh, southern alberta and at the time i was teaching guitar oh wow yeah, so I've, I mean, I've done a few different things and, and music has always been a sideline for me. And uh, so, uh, yeah, teaching guitar at a music store. And uh, she came in uh, with her youngest boy. And uh, so I was teaching him guitar lessons and she, you know, I always, I always invited the parents to come so they could see what was going on, you know, during the guitar lessons. And uh, so she, uh, she was there, and of course we got chit chatting a bit, and and I found out that she was Catholic, and and uh, single. Her husband had uh, actually just passed away a couple of years earlier, okay. and um, so yeah, I, I really <clears throat> felt an attraction for her, and then one day. Um, her son uh, at the guitar lesson, he had brought his guitar tuner to the guitar lesson. Mm-hmm. He had forgot it, at the, you know, so I thought, well, being the good Catholic boy that I am, I should probably return this, you know, see if I can take it back. And, and uh, so uh, she, she tells, a, a, you know, I phoned her and asked her if I could bring this back. And, and uh, she tells a funny story too. Um, 
because she was on the phone and I, I asked if I could bring him back. She was like, oh, no, don't worry about that. And her, her sister-in-law happened to be there with her. At the, and she kind of knew what was going on on the phone. So she was kind of like, you let him bring that, you know, because she, she had already been talking to her about me, right? And so, um, so and long story short, she let me bring it out. And uh, again, so that kind of got the ball rolling. And uh, then when she was, when I was there uh, at her house, I noticed that she had a guitar as well. Mm -hmm. So I asked her if I could play it a little bit. And I said, oh, this is, uh, this is a nice guitar. The strings are a little bit old and it needs a little bit of a tuning. Can I take it? And right. So, so I bought myself another opportunity to, to come back and see her. Well, and, and so the second time, and then I got back, was able to go back and see her again. And, and, uh, of course that just got the ball rolling and, uh, yeah, we started a relationship from there and, uh, we just celebrated, um, 20 years. Wow, Let me show you. There's our uh, in oh, Hawaii, beautiful. Hawaii, 20 years, uh, right on uh, in in Maui. We went out beautiful to Hawaii. Picture. He's showing now. This is an audio podcast, so they they can't oh. see, <laughs> they can't see the picture. But I'm looking okay. at a beautiful picture of he and his wife in Maui. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, yeah, beautiful story. And um, and so uh, tell us a little bit about the kids too. Uh, you know, again, I brag about the kids all the time. They're, uh, both the boys are uh, just incredibly mature and uh, considerate. Um, they're both very hardworking, uh, really, really doing a, a great job of taking care of their families. Um, and the, 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 again, the great thing is everybody lives very close, right? The, nice. the, yeah. So we have, uh, we have Sunday suppers regularly with the whole clan. And uh, actually, just since everything opened up, we just kind of had everybody over on Sunday night again, right? We were quite used to that. Uh, we, still, we still did it even a bit during COVID, right? My wife is also Italian, right? So try and try and keep an Italian woman away from her family. Like good good luck with that. Right? <laughs> My husband's Italian. I understand. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I mean, even during COVID, we kind of uh, uh, broke the rules a little bit. If, you know, <laughs> that'll be that's just our little secret, okay? Um, yeah, but but you know we're, we're so grateful because they come and we have uh, quite regularly we have a houseful, right? All the the two boys and their their spouses and the four grandchildren running around creating havoc. It's, it's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful story. Wow. And it's still unfolding, right? I mean, yeah, your story absolutely. isn't over. I mean, you're, we're, you know, you're only like maybe midway way through your life, probably a lot more mm -hmm. than that. So let's uh, talk about your ministry now, because I know that you, you have a lot of hobbies. I mean, I noticed when we were reading through the bio that you're in, in, involved in camping and hiking biking and snowshoeing so in addition to those hobbies i would love to hear about the ministry work that you're doing ever since i went to steubenville like i, I recognized that that was a gift and i knew I, I was i was you know deeply convicted that my life would have a missionary purpose right that that, that time in steubenville my conversion was such a gift 
I just knew that I knew that I knew that I was going to be that I was going to have to share that in in one way, shape, or form. And over the years, I've been involved in various types of ministry. Uh, my wife and I sing in church, right? We sing in church uh, once a month, and and uh, we love doing that. Uh, that's that's just a simple, basic ministry that we're pretty committed to. Um, I worked with child and family services for 13 years, and that sort of came to a head uh, in about 2003, 2004. Uh, I was really sort of getting the sense that there, there was something else going on, right? And again, I needed to, uh, you know, needed to explore different things. And essentially through a series of events, uh, you know, I really felt called to start speaking, to go out sharing, right? Sharing this message, sharing the, 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 the healing, the mercy, the grace, the beauty, the power of God that I was uh, experiencing more and more every day. So I took the steps and, uh, uh, you know, started getting some training, uh, started developing a website, and uh, that, that's the prayer, prayer for the prodigal website uh, that's, that I launched in 2015. But the, the really cool thing about that was um, when I was developing Prayer for the Prodigal, I chose the prodigal son story as a central theme with a heavy emphasis on mercy. And this was all sort of evolving in 2014. And just finally, you know, kind of got that up and rolling, dotted the I's and crossed the T's with all that. And all of a sudden I hear that Pope Francis is going to declare an extraordinary jubilee year of mercy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. Okay, so this is, this is good. This is going to be a good time to be talking about mercy, right? Because Pope Francis is putting it out there front and center. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's like the prodigal son story, the, the, the mercy, the grace that I've experienced and this, 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 this love of God, this, this grace and this power that continues to unfold, uh, I think is just particularly critical and relevant, especially for today. Um, uh, you know, like, again, my goal as a Catholic speaker is to help people overcome fear, anxiety, and hopelessness with faith, hope, and love. And especially with all that's been going on in this pandemic, it just seems particularly critical and, 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 and relevant because, you know, people, of course, as you well know, fear, anxiety, and hopelessness seems to be on the rise these days. Uh, and so... Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I just want to, uh, you know, do whatever I can. I do, I do um, retreats, conferences, parish missions. Um, I've just got signed up with a local retreat house to do something in the fall. Uh, I do youth events, uh, both in person and online. But, but I mean, the main thing is to help people understand, to, to, to receive that, that gift of mercy um really sort of experience that that deep 
gift of love and grace, you know, to be able to, to move on. And I think one of the best examples of that was from a, uh, a parish mission that I did back in 2018. And I've all, I always ask for feedback. I always get written feedback from uh, the, the participants. Uh, and I got one note from a lady who was at the parish mission. And essentially, she said, um, she, she had just, just in the, in the few years previous to the parish mission, uh, she had lost both her spouse and a child, tragically. Wow. And the, uh, yeah, yeah, hard to imagine. And, and so this whole thing had just sent her into a deep, dark spiral of depression. And, and basically she, what she, the way she described it was she was stuck. Mm-hmm stuck and she said after your mission in our parish i got unstuck well that's huge that is it, so huge yeah absolutely mm -hmm. was able to kind of she said she was able to kind of you know get some hope get some life in her soul again and start moving forward with some some hope and purpose and and so to me that's that's success right that's that's hitting the mark uh, uh you know for for anyone who needs it um and i uh you know i kind of i i, I sort of to a certain degree feel i'm in a, in a bit of a unique lane um as well because i find you know so often when i when i hear people talking about faith and uh, a lot of the books I encounter and even even preaching from the pulpit uh, it's so often about you know sort of the criterion for moral behavior and uh, you know who's in who's out and, and what you have to do to get into the next life and I mean that's all uh, that's all of course important but I think we sort of place an inordinate amount of emphasis on all of that stuff. Because right? we still have to live right now. That's right. And, That's right. right. And, and, and it can't just be about when we die. It has to be the way that we live now. Then eternity can start at this moment. Right. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, so. and, and, and that's a, that's kind of the, uh, one of the things that I will say a thousand times in a thousand different ways when I'm speaking is that is that you know uh, Jesus told us uh, in several different ways that uh, the kingdom of heaven is in our midst, mm -hmm. and uh, you know for me that's just not a, a, a historical event in a historical context when he was walking the face of the earth. To me, it goes so much deeper, and it means that God is very present to us right now through grace in so many different ways right uh in good food and friendship and family and in in nature and it's all just gift amen and i and, and i've learned uh you know it's it's just so much more about receiving it right rather than trying to grasp it and earn it it's it's so much more about just opening up and receiving it and and what happens for me and for other people that I talk to when they're able to sort of just surrender and receive that grace and that blessing that they get freed up 
right? That they get some real freedom inside, some real joy and real peace, and then they go on to become joyful and generous, peaceful people who other people look at and, and they say, what is that that you got? I want some of that, right? That's right. Yeah. Hey, that, that, that makes me think too, um, on the note, if you don't mind, uh, for somebody who might be listening, who is thinking, wow, that sounds amazing. I would love to do that. But yeah, you're right. Use that word stuck. I do think that people do get stuck sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. I know I've seen that in my own life before um, and watched it in, in other people's lives. And uh, would, so would you, for that person who wants faith, they want to quote, feel better, but it's just not happening. Would you have any words of advice for them as far as being able to be patient and waiting for that moment to happen when they say, you know what, life is finally starting to get a little bit better. Uh, I, the one thing I do share in, in my parish missions is that, uh, it, of course, it doesn't happen overnight. Yes. You have to be, have to be really committed to that. Um, and again, uh, God is, God will do what God will do. I mean, there are cases where there's there, the cases of miraculous healing, very speedy recovery from things like depression and, and, uh, anxiety and stuff like that. But I think from, for most of us, at least for me, it's, it's been a real gradual sort of discipline, right? And I think, I think one of the keys to that is committing a committing yourself to gratitude. Um, attitude of gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. If uh, to get unstuck, wake up in the morning, uh, open your eyes, be thankful that you've got eyes to open. Breathe, be thankful that you have breath in your lungs. Look up if you have a roof over your head, be thankful that you have a roof over your head. Right. If you can go out into your kitchen and eat, gosh, I mean, it, it just starts to, to uh, you know, pile up. And 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 those things. Um, and th this is just not my pet theories. This is stuff that's been time tested and proven oh, yes. uh, for centuries now. Right to work. Yeah, they're great, uh, great pieces of advice because we can't really get unstuck unless we look at what we have in front of us and say, you know what, there are some blessings here, even mm -hmm. if they're not the blessings that I want at this exact moment, I want more mm -hmm. than, you know, some people might say, I want more than just what I see in front of my face here, but, mm -hmm. but you have to look at what's there in front of you and say, you know what, God has gotten you to this point and trust him, trust Absolutely. Him that he will get you to that next point. Does that mean that all of your relationships will be perfect or that, you will get that perfect job or that, you know, your enemies will flee from your life. Not, not always, you know, but mm -hmm. it does mean that God is going to sustain you and bring new people. And I think he brings new people into your life too. A lot Absolutely. Of time. New Absolutely. people that help to guide you into a better direction. Mm -hmm. So that's why we call this podcast sowing hope because having a guest like you, Harley is a wonderful thing for us because that's what we're all about. Mm -hmm. So I just thank you so much for this beautiful sharing that we're doing. Now we have about five minutes left or so of the show. I wondered if um, before we end the podcast, if you could tell us what's going on this coming year for you 
and any other calls to action that you want people to know about about your mission? Uh, well, again, I think I think if people go visit the website prayerfortheprodigal.com, they can see all that I do. The, all my keynotes are listed, and uh, you know I can do those. Uh, there's three three main keynotes. I can do that as a three day parish mission. Uh, I can do them individually. Uh, fully equipped to do stuff online, so that means we can cross borders now and go anywhere in the world that we want to online in any form or fashion. Uh, one of the things that I, like uh, on my website, one of the things I share is that uh, I work, um, I only ask for donations for my services. Right. I, I, uh, I tried for a while. I tried charging a set fee and I just couldn't I couldn't be at peace with that. Right. Uh, just simply because th it, this is so much that I have been given so freely. And so I, I just have to kind of give it away. Right. Um, and so I have uh, I have only asked for donations for my services. And and fortunately, Again, uh, anytime I've done that for parish missions or anything else, the, the the donations have just far exceeded my expectations. Right. Yeah. So and I, I'm kind of fortunate in a way that, uh, um, you know, I, I sort of this is a part time thing. I'm, I'm ready for whatever God wants to do with this, but it is sort of a part time thing. I have I have other uh, like I teach music as well so i do not need to absolutely rely on my income from this speaking thing to you know to carry on so it, it, it just affords me a great deal of flexibility and the and the the uh the cool thing about it is that i can again offer to go places where other speakers may not go because of their fees and stuff like that and that um that uh, you know what i was describing the woman who got unstuck that was in a a, a a parish mission way in northern alberta you know sort of out in the boondocks that they, and they, they said they don't get speakers there very often right so um that's the one thing i don't i don't want people i don't want my i don't want the dollar bill to be an obstacle to having people speak i like to be i like when people say i like when people are creative they, they say well how about this can we do this um, uh, I'm a musician as well, so I always add music, and and uh, I've got a page on my website uh, that uh, features music as well. Um, so we can add, you know, lots of music to things, do little concerts and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and I just started. Just yeah, I just started uh, with a retreat, local retreat house. I will be reaching out to other retreat houses. Uh, in Western Canada. And uh, I'm hoping to kind of just just grow from there. Yeah, I love I love the work that you're doing. Uh, Bill and I are both grateful, although Bill's not with us again. We say say our hellos as I'm sure he's listening to this <laughs> mm. as it's being uh, put out there and uh, produced. So uh, so Harley, thank you so much for being a guest. Any final words before we end? Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's it's just been such a a, a great opportunity to 
to connect, I, I just found a whole new community. Like it started with that OSV challenge and that has just opened up so many new doors and, and I've met so many amazing people like yourself. Mm. And uh, I'm excited about the possibilities. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of possibilities there. We will keep you in our prayers. We hope to have you back again on the Sewing Hope podcast. And I want to invite people to please do check out PrayForTheProdigal.com. I'm speaking with Harley Packer. And also, please do check out our website at PatchworkHeart.org. We have a brand new book that just came out. It's called Hearts Burning Within Us. And it's a book that's geared for young adults, for uh, young adults who are actually in college and answers many of the questions that they have about their faith. Nice. So for Bill Snyder and myself, we will all see you next time here on the Sewing Hope Podcast. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2. Patchwork Heart Ministry is committed to sowing hope into broken hearts by helping young people encounter the love of Jesus Christ and His Catholic Church through prayer, storytelling, and media initiatives. We invite you to prayerfully consider supporting this mission financially. Mail your tax-deductible donation to Patchwork Heart Ministry at P.O. Box 563 Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, zip code 53147 or visit patchworkheart.org to donate online. That's Patchwork Heart Ministry, P.O. Box 563, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, 53147, or online at patchworkheart.org.